0: And once we get that right, which is for me the most important thing, that they have festival respect, the second one is commitment, the third one passion. Those three ingredients are non-negotiable.
1: Hello and welcome into the Non-Negotiables podcast. I'm Gavin. It's Friday and today we get to welcome back Justin. How you doing, Jazz?
0: I'm good, Gav. How are you?
1: Yeah, good, mate. Good. Um, so today, the second half of the pod today, we'll cover the Sheffield United preview. Um, we've got plenty of other stuff to cover in the first half, though. Um, let's start with uh, how life in Holland is treating you.
0: Uh, yeah, good, mate. I uh, can't complain at all. Um i find the uh the time the games are on that that they're like evening now you know like actually you know yeah. british time uh makes it really hard for me to catch games um I'm, I'm, i mean i'm sure it'll just be an adjustment period but i i prefer them in the morning i've just been so used to that so um but i mean other than that you know it's it's starting to starting to get pretty uh pretty warm we went to the uh the coast for the first time uh earlier this week which was really nice. Um, you know, language is coming along well. It's, it's, yeah, it's really nice.
1: Good stuff. Yeah, I knew you guys had set, had settled in there quick enough. How long have you been there now? Like two months, three, nearly three. Nearly three. Yeah, not, nearly just three. a little shy. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> Good stuff. All right. Well, let's uh, let's crack straight into it then. It's been a while, um, so <laughs> I'm sure you've seen the London Evening Standard do uh, an awards, a London Awards, and in the sports section. Declan Rice
0: won the London Player of the Year. Um, I think that's pretty well deserved, right? Yeah, I would say so. He's been, you know, absolutely massive for us, transformative, really. Um and that comes you know, off the back of basically, you know,
1: single handedly almost dragging West Ham to their first trophy in seven hundred and thirty two years.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, we kind of we kind of talked about um this before it happened, you know, and he was about as close a thing as you can get to like a, a safe transfer, you know, like, um, and, and I think he's just, he's even exceeded expectations. Um, he's just been really good, very dynamic. Our midfield is so smothering. I mean, when you, when you compare it to how we've played when party has been out and now he party's been out almost the whole season, but I mean, it, rice is just, you know, Inevitable. I mean, the guy's been great.
1: Yeah, and so I said before, right, that I thought by the time Rice was done, we'd be the only club that he was associated with, right? Like, I just think he's one of them players. He looks like he was born to play for Arsenal, and I just think when he retires, a bit like when Ian Wright retired, or even Thierry Henry. You know, Arsenal is the club you're associating with. And I think with with Rice, that's happened really quickly. Um, And I assume you saw his acceptance speech at the the London Awards. But he was asked what his best moment of 2023 was. And he picked his last-minute winner over Manchester United at the Emirates as his highlight of the year. I know there's a load of whammers that are absolutely fuming at this because they won the Europa car hire league third division whatever cup and they thought he should have picked that um was that hilarious or was it absolutely fantastic
0: or was it a mixture of both <laughs> um it's definitely hilarious it's definitely fantastic um I don't know I, I find it really humorous you're you're absolutely right though it's it's like um you know he's been here uh, a little over half a season, and it, it just feels like you know he's been here a while. He's an Arsenal player through and through. It feels that way, you know already. It and, does. Uh, like
1: it would, it would be weird to even even looking at old pictures of him now. Someone put a picture up on a timeline on their Twitter timeline of him wearing a West Ham shirt, and it looks weird.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean he just he fits right in, man. He looks he looks so perfect in the kit, and. uh Man, I'm just, I'm, I'm so ecstatic about the 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 signing, you know, still. But that is really, really amusing. Uh, what would Ben the Whammer have to say about it?
1: I, I, do you know what? So uh, a little bit of a behind the uh, curtain info here. I'm actually meeting Ben the Whammer in Jamaica tomorrow. So I will find out in person in Jamaica by a swim up bar exactly what it is he feels about it. Because I'm sure he's going to tell me all about it. But we haven't because because he's obviously he's on his way to Heathrow now to stay at uh, the airport uh, at the hotel at the airport overnight before he flies out to Jamaica early in the morning. So I haven't actually had a chance to talk to him about it. But it will be a subject when we're uh, sitting on the sitting on the stall at the swim up bar with um, pina coladas in hand. It will be a subject that I bring up. Man, you should um, uh, record it. I should, shouldn't I? I should actually go. I should actually go live at some point. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll try and go live with burn the whammer from, uh, from a pool bar in Jamaica. That would be interesting.
0: Yeah. Get a couple of drinks in him and then uh, uh, call me in and we'll do a, a interview style. See how he feels. About oh, we everything. won't
1: even need to do that. We can just say something and let him go. He'd like, be like a wind up toy. <laughs> so yeah, that'll, uh, so that'll be fine. I'm looking, looking forward to that and I will get his reaction. Um, other than that, what have we got? Arteta um, being up for manager of the month award. Uh, him and Guardiola are the two front runners. I don't think you can look beyond Arteta, right?
0: Um. Yeah. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I, I um. I haven't really looked at uh, like City's overall. Um, Manchester. I can't spell. Um. City's overall results, but yeah. I mean, I think it, it's it's got to be uh, Arteta. I mean, what do we? Um, six wins in a row and a ridiculous amount of goals, you know, we're winning four, one, five, those, you know what I mean? Like, just put like, and I know not many of the clubs have been, have been great that we played, but they're not like all rubbish, you know? I mean, we put West Ham to the sword and, um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I feel like it's gotta be Arteta.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, even though I'm not sure where city's, draw came in I know since new year we've won seven from seven they've won six and drawn one and I can't remember where their draw come in that might have been in February it might even have been in January but regardless Chelsea. of that was the Chelsea game Chelsea, when was that February 17th it was February okay so so yep. Arteta's got 100% record and Guardiola hasn't but even if he did have the style that we've been winning in and the amount of goals we've scored it's I mean it's just inevitable I think
0: Yeah, I mean, I I couldn't really agree more. Um, And I mean, we're doing it with injuries as well. Um, I mean, we're not as bad as Liverpool or anything. But I mean, you know, we still have, uh, you know, some important players out. And, uh, you know, to be getting these results is uh, in, in the way we're doing it as well. And I mean, obviously, you know, we're both biased, but we're, I think we're playing the best football in the league right now, too.
1: Absolutely. I, I just I don't see how that's even like taking all biases aside, I I don't see how that's possible. Um how it's possible to consider anyone else for that. Yeah. Um worth yeah. worth mentioning as well that if Arteta does win it this month, it will be his seventh win, which is pretty astounding for uh for a manager who's only who's only been in a job like four years. I think he's already got half as many as uh, half as many as as Guardiola um and, and Klopp and he's obviously been there less than half the time you know considering the amount of work that had to be done when he got here that's pretty immense
0: yeah it really is uh you know the squad everybody knows this but you know the squad when he took over was you know rough there was all the turmoil and 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 change up you know behind the scenes and uh you you know it's he's just done a fantastic job Uh, another point I'd like to add too is that um our goals not only are we scoring a lot, but they're coming from a ton of different sources. You know, we don't have just you know some some big Norwegian up top that's carrying us. You know, we've got a, a bunch of people that are scoring right now too. You know, so it's it, it's good stuff. Even even the uh, the backline is contributing decently with goals. We have Kivjorgen as first.
1: Yeah, it's it's been it's been great. They're coming, from and it needs to be in our team, right? Because I think. You know, I'm a big one for telling everybody that Bakayosaka needs to be getting 30 goals a season, right? Like, I I just think that's where he needs to be. And to be fair to him, I think he's got, what is it, seven goals in the last five games? So, or uh, eight in six, maybe. So he's certainly certainly getting there. But you're right, our goals tend to come from everywhere. And I think that's, it makes us harder to stop, right? Because you haven't got one person that you can just zoom in on.
0: Yeah, we're almost impossible to, like, um neutralize it's like if you shut down some you know I mean we know our our wingers get doubled up on almost every game and and that is probably you know between like Martinelli or Trossard or you know Saka that is where a lot of our attacking impetus comes from but you know if if they do get marked out of the game or quiet you just know I mean Odegaard's capable of popping up with a few rice now I mean even Jorginho we have uh I believe we have the highest scoring centre-back in the league still with Gabriel, or was that last year? Maybe I'm mixing, but that's, I think that's, we do.
1: That's every year, mate. That's every year. Since he got <laughs> here, he's got 15 goals. I mean, and don't forget, they took the one off him the other night. Well, it, well they didn't take it off him, to be fair. It wasn't his goal. He caused it, but it wasn't his goal. It was definitely an own goal against Newcastle. But yeah, even that withstanding, he's still got 15 goals since he arrived, which is more than anyone else from set pieces in that period. And that includes people who take set pieces, by the way.
0: Yeah, it is. It's really insane, and I mean, our um, our uh, goals on the set pieces too. I mean, we're way ahead of everybody else. Uh, you know, whatever Yover is doing, it, it's been pretty incredible.
1: And that's it. And the only way that we get stopped is when we stop ourselves, right? Because. The Fulham game aside, we've dominated pretty much every single game we've been in this season. I mean, the home and away games against West Ham were obviously vastly different results, right? So we yeah. lost 2-0 at home, we won six 0 away. They were basically the same game without the goals.
0: Yeah. And I mean it is good we're we're starting to hit this kind of rich vein of um of finishing because I do think we've played pretty damn decent most of the season, but you know, the 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 finishing, you know, wasn't quite there. And now we're being a lot more clinical in front of goal uh, without playing that much better. But, I mean, it just looks night and day, you know, when you've got scores of, you know, 6-0. Yeah, and so to that,
1: um, Saka is also up for the player in the month for February. Um, I, I think he's pretty much a shoe in to get this as well. Um, he's scoring goals for fun. He's creating creating chances, getting assists. I, I think he's been... I actually personally think Odegaard has probably been our best player but Saka's the one who's up for player of the month. And I understand why, because if you just look at it from goals and assists, the boy's on fire.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, Saka's got a chance to win, you know, almost every month with his consistency and stuff like that. But yeah, I just don't feel like anybody is. um, Nobody's really, you know, um, how how do I want to say this? He's, he's, he's not carrying us, but it's, it's, clear that he is kind of still the main guy. You know what I mean? Like the main creator.
1: I think he's, he's the main source for goals. And I I, yeah. I just, I don't, I don't envisage that changing. We'll, we'll talk a little bit later about, about striker targets and what we're going to do there and stuff. But I just don't envisage that, that, um that changing. And that's kind of changed my mind about what we are going to do in the summer transfer wise. Um, But I, I just, like I said to you before, I just think Saka is, the 30 goal a season, man. I don't think we need to buy a 30 goal a season center forward because I think we've got one. He just plays out on the right.
0: Um, yeah, I I don't necessarily think we need a 30 goal a season striker. I wouldn't mind somebody a little bit more clinical than Jesus, at least, or, or maybe a different profile. Um,
1: I wouldn't mind someone that just plays a bit more often than Jesus. Yeah, no, that's fair.
0: Um, but yeah, I I don't really we we don't really seem like we're set up as the kind of team to just feed uh, like a Holland type striker, you know. One hundred percent, we're not. And you you couldn't just drop a striker like that in this team and yeah. have
1: it seamlessly just happen, right? But one well, thing City I will say, even, you know, that? City couldn't even do that. You no, know, they, no, no. It took it them a while, a and bit. and this nope. is the point I was going to make with Arteta every year. Sometimes it's even every few months. Arteta evolves this team and he evolves the style of play, right? Like the style of play that we are playing right now is nothing like the style from last year. It isn't even really that close to the style we had before New Year. There's been a complete almost overhaul of the system, I think, over that break in Dubai. and. It's so I think if we did buy someone, and it wouldn't surprise me if we did, but I think it would be another rejig of the system, which I think is almost certain to happen anyway, regardless of what happens there. Um, just because Arteta evolves this side constantly.
0: Yeah, he really does. He he, he keeps the opponents guessing, you know, it's it's very fluid all the time. And I you know, I think that's one of the big reasons for our, you know, recent success. I mean, no silverware to show for it, but you know, we've been very competent, competitive, and I think it really has a lot to do with him. Um, you know, constantly being able to evolve—it's—it's—it's it's, it's massive.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think it's it's amazing the the work that he's the work that he's done and the way this team is able, the way this team's able to play three, four, five different tactics within a half absolutely yeah. astounds me at times. I've never seen anything like it.
0: And considering we're we're you know, um, I know we've got most of the first eleven, but you know we're we're a little bare bones as far as options go. You know, no 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 Tomiyasu to fit in on a on a tricky winger. You know, no Zinchenko, which would have been a catastrophe last season. Party another catastrophe. You know, our only big money defensive signing's been out all season. Um, you know, the fact that he's he's able to still have us tactically evolve, be competitive. I mean, be maybe better than we've we've ever been still with, with all these, you know, all these key players out is huge. You know, if you'd have told me we were still battling for the title with as many games as Jesus and Zinchenko have missed, I, I probably would have called you a liar, you know, but here we are without both of them and that's a that's a good little segue into into this then
1: so if you look at where we are right now compared to where we are where we were sorry last season at this point now last season at this point we were top um we had exactly the same amount of points as we've got now we'd scored one less goal i think we'd conceded four more by this point um Obviously, the collapse was about to come because we were about to hit that international break. We were about to lose Saliba. We're about to hit that international break where Partey basically, I I, I mean, to this day, we don't know what happened, right? We don't know if if it was an injury. We don't know if something happened and his head just went. But whatever it was, Thomas Partey was a different player from March onwards than he was from August through February last year. This year, it feels like we're in a completely different spot, right? Because where we had players falling like flies last year at this point, we've got them coming back into the squad this year.
0: Yeah, it's it's huge. Um, and yeah, I guess I kind of touched on this on my last point, but um, it really does feel massive to be able to have, you know, Jesus come back in, um, Zinchenko to come back in, Party to come back in. You know, I I know, I know. Timber is going to be, you know, um, it'll take him a while to get up to fitness and stuff like that. But just having him as that option to play left back, right back, I mean, it's 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 going to be huge. Um, And it does. It's kind of a reverse of last season. But I mean, it's it's got me pretty optimistic. You know,
1: and the momentum's different as well, Jaz, isn't it? Because I think even before the Saliba injury last year, even before Partey turned. Into Titus Bramble, like even before any of that stuff happened, we were at this point just struggling to keep our heads above water. Like Mm we we'd we'd been so good in that first half of the season, and in the second half of the season, we we weren't even close, right? Even though we were still winning, with you know obvious exceptions of the game at Goodison Park and you know and the Brentford game at home, but we were generally still winning. But it wasn't anywhere near convincing like it was in the first half of the season. And you just had the feeling that we were running out of gas, whereas I think this year it's the complete opposite, right? In the first half of the season, we were feeling our way in, we really weren't we were we were dominating games without really looking like we had a cutting edge. Now we are in full flow, and it just feels like a complete reversal of last season. It feels like we're about to power through the end of the season, whereas last year we were just trying not to fall over.
0: Yeah, that, that is actually a, a really good point and, and not something I, I've thought too much about. But yeah, it does feel completely, you know, the reverse. And, um, you know, especially I, I know you said you wanted to touch on this, but, you know, like especially considering where we're chasing, you know, first this year, as opposed to being, um, you know, in first being chased, I think um, it really is just kind of like flip the season on their heads. But I, uh, I almost feel better about this season than I did last season even at this point you know considering we were first at this time last year and we're third this year i mean i think especially looking at um you know liverpool's got like what 13 injuries or something insane i just i don't i don't see them um being able to 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 keep up with us in city
1: it's a, it's an interesting one the liverpool one because i'm I know they've got a lot of injuries, but I don't think many of them are particularly long term. I think only the um only the Jotter one really is 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 long term. And I just think this league, the bottom half of this league, is so bad that I think they can probably muddle through. Like they've got Forest tomorrow. There is no way they don't beat Forest with this team. I, I, I don't care that they've got 13 players out, wherever they're going to beat Nottingham Forest. That's the thing for me, is that I think them players will come back. I I really do think this is a a three-team title race. I think Liverpool have pretty much overperformed. I don't think Liverpool are as good a side as us or City. Um, But they're there. They've got experience. They've got the emotional thing behind them now with Klopp. Klopp's obviously a very good manager. So I do think they're still still a danger. Um, So where do you stand on what you want to happen in the Liverpool-City game? With a couple of weeks because I haven't had the chance to ask you ask you this. We've been debating it quite a bit between like between like everybody off online and stuff about what do you want. I, I'm thinking a draw is probably the best result for us. Are you still in the school of thought then where a Liverpool win would be better?
0: Um when it comes to um like title challengers and head to head, I'm almost always like pro draw. Um, even if maybe, you know, I, I mean, it's tough to say when it was like a two horse race last season between us and city, you know, obviously anytime city, you know, lost was good for us. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking a a draw for sure. Like you said, I mean, they don't have too many long-term injuries. Um, so I know they're still, you know, I don't think they're going to like fall off dramatically. I just don't think they're going to be able to keep pace necessarily with us, you know, and city.
1: Yeah. Well, um, they've got a lot of games too, right? Like they're in the FA cup, they're in the Europa league. And it, it depends how seriously they take all these competitions, obviously with their squad being stretched in, it's not like they can just say, well, we'll run out of reserve side in the, in the, uh, in the Europa league. And of course, you know, we should touch on this briefly. I guess it was a, Really bad result for us Chelsea winning because it means that Chelsea game's called off. And I don't know if you've seen this, but it looks like it's probably going to be slotted in a couple of days before the North London derby. And then of course we've also Yeah, you, you hadn't seen that? Yes, so it looks yeah. like it's gonna get slotted in a couple of days before the North London derby at their place. Um and also one of our games I'm gonna to have to check who it is, but we've got someone else. Who um, are likely to be in the, involved in the FA Cup semi final because I think they drew Coventry in the quarterfinals. I'm going to find out who that is. And it looks like that's going to be displaced as well. So even though that didn't exactly go our way, we can't argue with Manchester City going through and drawing Newcastle and Liverpool going through and drawing Man United, right? It couldn't have gone much better than that for us. No,
0: absolutely not. You know, I mean, that's exactly what you want is. Um you know, harder competition for your opponents. I think, um, uh, I think it was James on the Arscast, uh, on Monday or Tuesday. He made the point Liverpool has like double the games we do in March, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I know some things can change depending on how the FA cup rescheduling and stuff like that goes. But I mean, you know, that'll be, that'll be, uh, a, a big deal for them, especially considering, you know, they've got half a squad injured, um, so you know, who knows? But yeah, with regards to the FA Cup draws, I mean I, I know Newcastle's not the team they were last season or anything, but um, you know, they still have it in them to cause city problems, I think. Um so yeah, you couldn't really ask for better draw results for us. Yeah, what you want. Is a draw against the team that's going to keep them honest, right?
1: Like that's that's all you're really asking for. You just put them up against someone that they can't just throw out the under nines in. And Newcastle, is that it would have been better if it was at St James's Park. But like I said, yeah. they can't take Newcastle lightly. They have to give them that respect.
0: Yeah, and I mean, same with Liverpool. You know, they've been putting out. I mean, the the side they put out in the Carabao Cup final was <laughs> was yeah. really. But I, I I can't really see them doing that to United. Um, no, they can't. They can't. Yeah. They've
1: got to, especially being at Old Trafford, they've got to yep. basically throw out their first choice team.
0: Yep. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, great luck for us as far as the draws go. You know, could, couldn't really ask for anything better except, like you said, if it was at St. James. But, you know, good stuff.
1: So, yeah. So it's it's Wolves at Molyneux on April 20th, which is FA Cup semi-final weekend. So if Wolves beat Coventry in the quarterfinal, which obviously they're going to be huge favourites for, then that game is going to have to be rearranged as well, which is, uh, yeah, these rearranged fixtures at this time. of You know, we go out of the FA Cup and we think, oh, well, you know, no one wants to be out of the Arsene Wenger Invitational Trophy. But at the same time, you're thinking, well, it's less games we have got to play. It's ended up affecting us anyway.
0: Yeah, and you know, obviously, we're we're hoping for a you know a deep run in the uh, the Champions League as well. You know, so um, I know I know March looks decently promising for us, but I think um, we'd be very smart to um, not take that for granted. You know, and 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 try to try to rotate where we can. And I, I know you're not a big rotation guy. I just mean like I think it's really important we we finish strong with these rescheduling's coming up. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, I don't think in in March. I just don't think there's any room to rotate. There's just not. We just haven't got enough games. As simple as that. We've got three games in March. I know there's an international break in there as well, but what are you going to do? You you can't rotate when your games are ten days apart.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And it's is it it's it's three prem games right plus Porto, so four. Or is were you counting Porto? Uh,
1: I think that's counting Porto because the Chelsea game got moved. So, we have Sheffield United on Monday, we have Brentford on March 9th, then we have Porto on March 12th, and then we don't play again until Manchester City on the 31st, so it is four games with the Porto game in.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, Brentford and Sheffield are, are, I mean, Sheffield especially should be, you know, three points right now with, with how atrocious they've been. Yeah, we'll go into um, that in the, in in part
1: two. But um, oh yeah, yeah them okay. and Brentford. Brentford haven't been much better than Sheffield United, to be quite honest with you. So they've got you know this was this is the run where we really have to have to make hay while the sun's shining because the and we've been doing it to be fair. You know we've been swatting aside everyone that we should be swatting aside. So yep. okay mate. All right, well listen, do you want to leave it there and come back for part two? Um, and we'll do the Sheffield United preview. Yeah, sure. Okay, all right, Matt. See you on the other side of the break. Okay. Hey guys, just a couple of quick half time messages for you. Firstly, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a five star review on your favorite podcast app. It really helps us reach a wider audience, particularly on Apple Podcasts. Secondly, we're on all the social media platforms as the NN Pod. We're really trying to build a strong Guna community. So next time you're on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, Look us up, give us a like or a follow, send us a message, interact with other listeners or or just have a look around. Thanks for listening from myself, Paz and Juz. We really appreciate it. Welcome back into the Non-Negotiables podcast. This is part two. It's the Sheffield United preview Monday night at Bramall Lane. Uh, I know everybody's tired of me saying this, but... It's a must-win game. I say it every week, but in reality, I think they all are now. Uh, we're currently sitting third, one point off Man City in second, two points off Liverpool. Occupy top spot. Liverpool travel to Forest on Saturday. City are at home to Man United on Sunday. I think it's impossible to see any of the three of us dropping points this weekend. Just.
0: Hmm. You know, I've I've had a um an eye on this uh, Manchester derby for a a couple weeks now it is interesting that don't get me wrong. I think, I think United are, are struggling and overall, they're a pretty, pretty shit team, but you know, with, with, with these derbies you never know what can happen. And I, I am a little hopeful that, that maybe they could uh, steal some points there. I know it's unlikely, but you, you know, it kind of form goes out the window, you know, sometimes with those.
1: You, you got to hope so. I mean, United, uh, United are carrying a lot of injuries as well. I mean, Hoyland's now out for a few weeks and that's going to really, hurt them because I mean I know everyone's took the piss but I actually think Coyland's a really good player um, uh, yeah I, I've been really impressed with him um, and I think that's a big loss for them I mean I would love them to get obviously get anything at all from there but I, I just I just can't see it I just think this is three points all round Forrest are a terrible team and I can't imagine them causing Liverpool many problems I mean like, you can just see Liverpool going too up early and just basically taking all the sting out of that
0: yeah, I could definitely see that with Liverpool and Forest. Uh so what does that mean for United then is it is it Martial up top probably?
1: Uh I don't even know if he's fit. I mean could Rashford get a deck chair and put it in the middle rather than <laughs> out wide? <laughs> I, I I don't know. I don't know what it I don't know what it means. I mean Ten Hag seems to have he's <laughs> Ten Hag's reached the uh reached the stage of not give a fuckery to the point where he literally is just pulling players he's never heard of out of the youth team and frying them in and, and hoping something works.
0: Yeah. That, uh, that, that, uh, Manu kid though, he's been pretty solid.
1: Yeah. He's been all right. And then, another one Foson is it, I think that played for him last week and, and he, uh, I mean, they're so bad that it it doesn't, you know, this is the problem when this is, when United fans start getting excited about Manu or foson or any of these players, you, uh, I won't say it because I like it when they get carried away because it's funnier when they fall flat on their face. But you have to be careful when you see these types of players come into a team that's a very poor team playing poorly and they look good, right? Because we've been here before, right? Yeah,
0: I was about to say, that's been us you, multiple times.
1: You remember you remember Guendouzi, Torreira, yep. um, basically that whole early Emery team.
0: We, Hell, remember recalling... Francis Coughlin from Charlton, and yep. he looked like world-class for yep. six months.
1: Yeah, it, it's, and, and it's, it's funny how that happens. When your level is reasonably low, it, you know, and I'll tell you, it gets a lot of stick for not playing kids and not doing this, but our level is now so high that it's incredibly difficult to put anyone in that. Where we were three years ago, it was easy for people like Saka and Smith-Rowe to come into, this, to come into that team because the level was was so low. Now the level's so high. You know, they don't come in at that level. Do you know what I mean? Like, this isn't Bakayo Saka that came into the team. It was a different Bakayo Saka who's got to this level. And I think, basically, he dragged the team with him. Whereas now, someone coming in at Saka's level, when Saka came through originally, is now so much lower than the level of everybody else. It's a tough thing to do.
0: Yeah, and I think... um... expectations play a huge part in that as well. There's not this, um, you know, like when, when I remember when Saka or, well, I mean, Smith Rose, a great example, when he came into the the team, uh, against Chelsea, you know, that boxing day that kind of revitalized the season. Yeah. It's such a good example because, um, there was, there was almost no, pr- well, I mean, there was pressure. I mean, I know people were about to like, you know, Oh, I think Arteta was about to lose his job. Yeah. But the, the fact that he came in and, um, there was no pressure on him, I think. Right, yeah, what that's mean, what right? I'm trying to say. Yeah, thank
1: you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. you no, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. I mean, he was there was no way he could lose coming in. If he would come in and been bad, you'd have been like, well, look, we've had William for the rest of the season, so Yep.
0: Yeah, so I think, you know, between uh, you know, the level of the team and, and the expectations that are placed on the team, you know, it makes it really hard to bring in some some kid and I but I I do admire the fact that he's still you know, being able to persevere with with uh with Kivior a decent bit, you know, and Maniri's got um two games, I think, this season. You know, yeah, it, coming it's, off the bench, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not um it's not all bad. You know, you're still getting no. your cameos from Smith Row and yeah. um no it's, no, it's just
1: it's just hard to do to bring players yeah. in when you're when you're playing at that level. You know, and that was my point really about Man United about Kobe Mainu and that is that they're coming into a side where the level is pretty low um like if you look at all the expected points of where they should be they're they're a mid-table team so you can look really good coming into a team like that when you actually aren't a a world beater you know that was that was just my point on that so yeah oh sorry
0: no go on go go. i i've not i've not caught them a lot this year you know especially detailing my troubles with having to catch games that like you know 9 p.m. and stuff now but almost every time I've watched them this season they've been like second best yeah and they're I mean they're they're stealing points I feel like left and right yeah um, it feels it
1: feels like it in every game doesn't it I mean from the very first game of the season when they beat Wolves at Old Trafford remember when Wolves should have had the penalty late on and it just feels like every game that they win they should yep. have lost
0: Yep, I I agree. It's I I've I've barely seen anything like it. Um, you know they're they're pretty dire.
1: Yeah, well, long may it continue because we need Eric Ten Hag to get some more wins so he can keep the job.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean I I was uh, discussing this with a couple of my mates. It's like, where do they really go from here if they sack him? You know, it's like they had the the arm around the shoulder buddy manager and Ole, and then they tried to get kind of more the 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 hard ass authoritarian in in ten hog and it's just like i i just i don't see you know if they do sack him i think they're they're gonna i think they'll be even worse honestly and this isn't like me trying to give credit to ten hog he came in and you know he tried to do the arteta thing you know change the culture and all that and he's just you know failing miserably and uh i don't know they're rough man i mean i don't i would never feel bad for a united fan but they're, they're in a tough spot
1: yeah, I don't know where they go next to be honest with you because you you know if you you look I think there's a huge amount of luck right in in getting the next manager. I mean, you know, Liverpool kind of stumbled upon Klopp who'd been out of work because he'd got sacked from Dortmund because he had that really bad season there. They stumbled across him. Guardiola obviously Manchester City built their entire project around getting Guardiola. It took them what 5, 6 years to get him in, but everything they'd done up to that point had been built around targeting him. I, I think Arteta was a bit of luck, really. I think it was very fortunate he didn't get the job the first time when he was very close, and they gave it to Emery instead. Um, and then he's obviously a fast learner, and he's learned on the job. I, I think it's that was a bit of luck. Tim Lewis coming in and obviously getting rid of Raul Sanye, he was a was a big part of that too. And I just think kind of United need that. Bit of luck, really, and none of us ever want to see Man United get lucky. But that's kind of what they need at this point. You know, they're they're obviously appointing Dan Ashworth, the guy from Newcastle, formerly Brighton, and I think they they just basically need to hit on a manager, and it it needs to work. And sometimes there's no reason for it working or not working. Sometimes it just does, and I kind of think that's where they are. I'm not sure that there's any sort of algorithm that they can that they can really look at that's gonna that's guaranteed to
0: work. Yeah, I, I agree completely. This uh this summer is going to be kind of interesting because I feel like there's going to be quite a few decent managers available. You know, you have Mourinho still out of a job, which that would be hilarious, by the way. Mourinho yes. coming back part two, but yeah, you know, I got uh, have, a
1: buddy of mine. He's convinced that Mourinho is going to be at Newcastle in the summer and I could, wow, I could I could
0: actually see that Tell yeah it, I could it, see
1: that too um yep. I think the the longer this goes on the more it seems like Alonso to Liverpool will probably happen um, yeah I think it so. seems like he's not really interested in Bayern so yep. that's that that would be an interesting one yeah it's going to be a going to be a merry, merry-go-round in the summer for sure there's yep. there's going to be a lot of big jobs available you know Bayern Liverpool probably Man United Newcastle so yep. there, there's going to be some big jobs around
0: Probably Madrid so, yeah. too. I mean, uh, yeah. If Ancelotti...
1: do we know yeah. if he's going to Brazil? Is he? Is he not,
0: confirmed that? Not a hundred percent, but I mean, he's he's been flirting with them for two, three seasons. Yeah, it,
1: it, it does seem like he's going to end up as the Brazil manager. So, yeah. yeah, that one will be open, and obviously Barcelona as well, right? They've not replaced Chavy uh, on a permanent yep. basis, right? Yep. So, so that one's going to be. So, Yeah, it's a big. Some big moves in the summer, some big merry go rounds all
0: right well yeah, i think I think you've got Hansi e. Flick he's available too. I could see someone taking a gamble on him yeah,
1: and after the euros Nagelsmann as well who's in charge of germany he might uh, he might pop back onto the club scene, and obviously you've got the retreads, you know um going going be out there looking for a looking for a job somewhere um inner miami I, don't, I don't you think... heard it here first what's that inner miami inner Miami, yeah, that's always possible, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't see Klopp managing anyone next season. I, no, I think that's guaranteed sure. to be a, a year off. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be, um, it'll be interesting. All right. Well, anyway, back onto our game on Monday night, um, we come into it absolutely on fire. We've had seven straight wins since Salt Bay sprinkled his magic dust on everybody in <laughs> Dubai. Um, that wasn't just, Salt, is, by the way. Is it, is it just down to Salt Bay's magic dust?
0: <laughs> maybe no honestly i think the 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 break came at the perfect time for yeah. us um that yeah. i, oh, I we really got another break it's... now we should all fuck off to dubai for a week hey but I, I really think timing was pretty much everything here um just being able to not not only take a little bit of a break and, and have some you know kind of team building com- camaraderie but it's clear that they were able to kind of set up a new tactical plan during the break that that is that's paid you know dividends and i i i think it's you know i mean i don't want to take any credit away from salt bay but i think the timing is more to do with it than anything
1: yeah I, I think you're probably right i know it will really upset salt bay because i know he's a listener um oh and yeah. I, I i think i heard that he actually plays us on loop in his restaurant um <laughs> but it it, so it might upset him so so salt bay i i am sorry um, but we we do think that there are other factors as well as your magic dust. Um, yeah. So, yes, yeah, so it seems like we're going to get some good news on the injury front as well. Obviously, Jesus was on the bench last week. Um, mm-hmm. He will be fit to play. Partey is apparently almost a certainty to be in the squad. Uh, yep. Tomiasu has a chance. I think Zinchenko is unlikely, but maybe an outside chance that he does. Uh, Timber obviously isn't going to be ready yet um where you think we're going to be on a starting lineup for this one jaz
0: um i don't i don't really see any of those i i think it'll be um what it's been um you know we we've already discussed the amount of fixtures in in march um i don't think we gamble especially like longer term guys like uh party i don't think he's um set for a start or anything like that uh i i think we'll see some of these guys come in around um you know, seventy five, eighty minutes, uh, but starting eleven is gonna stay mostly the same. I yeah. can see maybe Jesus. But I was gonna say I, I think Jesus yeah. is gonna start. Uh
1: I do. I think Havertz will drop back into midfield, Jorginho will drop to the bench, and um I think Jesus will will start this this is a game that we really should be dominating from the very yeah. very
0: first whistle. Um oh. so I can I can definitely see that. Uh, But yeah, other than, other than Jesus, no, I I don't think there's, there's really uh, any chance for anyone else to get a start. Uh, You know, hopefully he just doesn't take too big a gamble and kind of builds up fitness uh, slow is what I'm hoping for. Cause if we can stay relatively, um, you know, unscathed until April, May, we, you know, we all the better chance for us.
1: Yeah. And while we've been swatting aside all before us, Sheffield United have been absolutely terrible um, in their eight games in in 2024, they've only won two. And interestingly, in their last three games at Bramble Lane, they've shipped five goals in each game. Um, once to Brighton in the Cup, once to Brighton in the league and to Aston Villa in the league. Um, they're rock bottom, 13 points, remarkable minus 44 goal difference. They've conceded wow. 66 goals, which is by far the worst in the division. Um, just this has to be fill your boots
0: time. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I, I hate this. Like, I, I don't want to say we jinx it, but I, I do feel like there's been a few times on on this pod where we're like, "Oh yeah, this is the game. We've got to put five past them. Just put them to the sword," and it ends up being like a tight one nil. So I don't want to, you know, jinx us or anything, but this is definitely one that um, anything less than three points would be a a, a catastrophe and it it would be
1: an absolute disaster not to come away from there with a win
0: and if and you know i mean we really should put at least four past them even if the the shooting boots aren't on that day um there's just no reason not to they've been very dreadful
1: yeah and it's 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 not like you know you can say oh well this i mean their team news right mason holgate is suspended so he'll be out i mean i'm not really i don't think it's a massive boom when you've lost the last three home games by five to say one of the defenders is going to make a difference, <laughs> but he's at um, the fake Chilean Ben Brereton Diaz. He's, he's coming back and George Baldock is, is back Will probably just replace Holgate. I, there's, there's really nothing that they've got that gives you any kind of worry whatsoever. This is, I imagine this is a game that's going to be played almost entirely in their half um it's one of them where you're just it's about that first goal right like if you can get first goal in the first in the first 10 minutes this it could be a massacre
0: yeah I mean and and that'd be great you know I'd love to be able to score early you know play in their half and, and have um you know some of our guys coming back from injury get on at like 60 65 minutes you know just just a nice relaxing run out basically um See, so, yeah, hopefully we can we can get that that first goal early and kind of cruise through. That'd be you know best case scenario, but I'm I'm I mean, I'm almost certain you know for a win it's it's one of those you know like it it, it something's wrong if we don't <laughs> you know
1: yeah for sure and, and I mean because they're basically like a lot of the times you look at these sort of games right and you're saying. You're saying, well, they're fighting for their lives, isn't it? They're not fighting for their lives, right? Like, like they are literally already down. I think they're 11 points from safety already.
0: Yeah, they're doomed.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the only chance they've got is Everton and Forrest getting more points deductions. And even then, I, I don't know they can stay up. You know, Luton have still Luton are the only ones down there that have got a chance. Burnley and Sheffield United are gone.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and I I just, I don't see them putting up that, you know, that relegation scrap that you kind of have to worry about you know, like nothing to lose, you know, go all out, you know, that, that they already look like they know they're doomed, you know?
1: Yeah, I think so. They're, they're playing like a side, that they're playing like a side that already know they're down for sure. Um, just one bit of news that came out that we didn't discuss in part one. Um, it seems like the club and Jorginho are in talks over a new deal. Now, Jorginho obviously technically is out of contract this summer. There is a club option to extend for a further year, which would just extend his contract for one more year on the same terms. What we're talking about is a new contract on uh, an improved wage. It would probably be a one-year deal with a one-year optional extension basically the same as the same as this where he would have next season and then we would have the option to to put it for another year if we wanted to just I'll, I'll be honest with you here I don't really get this I mean I think Jorginho has been has been good the last last few weeks I mean I, I think it helps that we haven't really played anybody um but I, I think he's I think he's done well I would extend him there's no question about it I would definitely extend him but I don't really see the need for this new deal can you shed any light on this for me
0: what am i missing i i can't mate i can't because i don't really understand it either i mean like you said there was a, a club option to extend something that he'd already agreed to you know with the with the original contract i get um you know rewarding players for for you know good playing good experiences but you know, give him a small signing on fee, leave the wage the same, or even take it down, because I feel like at this point, his minutes are only going to go down. You know, once once party's back, um, you know, we're, we're, there's talks of, of Zuba Zubamendi or another CM. Um, I just, I don't know, I don't see the point in giving him a, a pay rise when his impact is probably going to go down. And I want to be careful when I say this, because I'm, you know, I was a Jorginho signing hater. I didn't want it, um, but he's he's definitely, definitely proved me wrong, and I, I'm glad we're getting him on an extension, but I, I don't understand the new contract pay rise like at all.
1: No, and I mean, I know there's a theory out there that that he's probably going to end up on Arteta's coaching staff because Arteta loves him that much. I just I just have a feeling with Jorginho. I think Jorginho is the kind of guy that's probably just going to want to play and play and play until he can't play anymore, a bit like Santi Cazorla's done, really. Just keep keep playing and he's not going to be able to do that at us, right? So let's say let's say he signs for a one plus one. He stays next year. I don't see any way that we extend it again, right? He's thirty-two right now. He'll be thirty-three by the time next year's over. I don't see us extending that contract again. And I don't see Jorginho being at the point where he's ready to quit. Surely it would be much easier to extend him for next year with the option that's already there. We're not going to get a fee for him at the end of it anyway. So just extend him, let him go with a handshake and a promise of a job when he, when he decides to hang up his boots.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, Gaff that makes uh, too much sense. So we're not going to be able to do that. (laughs) I guess,
1: I mean, I don't know. I just don't get some of these, some of these options, you know, I mean, I think I told you before I saw it reported in the athletic, that we actually had an had an option to extend Aubameyang, um, and rather than use the extension, we gave him that massive deal. and And to me that to me that's madness. You should give yourself the maximum time to basically make an informed decision, right? And when you've got uh, in especially in the case of Aubameyang, when you've got a thirty one year old striker whose biggest asset is his pace, I don't just don't see how offering a new deal on improved terms when there's already uh, an extension ready to go. I don't, just don't see how it makes sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, you you know, similar thing with, with Jorginho here, you know, um, obviously not near as at the magnitude that the Obama-Yang deal was, but yeah, I I agree. It just, it doesn't, doesn't really make any sense. I mean, you know, again, I mean, I, I get wanting to reward the player, but you know, this just seems very, um, short-sighted yeah it's it's a weird one so quick question
1: for you um I I obviously am not a Jorginho fan although I do think he's been good last few weeks credit where it's due um personally in the Porto game I wouldn't play Jorginho Paz um is very adamant that he would play Jorginho where are you at on this
0: um so my favorite role for Jorginho is is coming in when we're when we have a lead. Um that's where I like him utilized because he he comes in with with experience in a in a cool head. He helps us keep the ball. Um he's solid defensively as long as he can, you know, kind of keep up. Um and he's still capable of of making, you know, a, a good pass between the lines. I'm I'm not really crazy about him like ever starting, even though, you know, he has been very good. Don't get me wrong. Um I What's Were you intrigued
1: were you intrigued a little bit by the way he was used against Liverpool in a league game where we played him basically as the left eight and left Rice as the covering man, which makes sense because the way Liverpool play with their with the uh you know with the press and the way and how quick they are to come forward, you don't want Jorginho being the man trying to cut that out. Right. Um but Arteta was clearly keen to dominate the ball and he felt Jorginho was uh, was the right man for that. Are you intrigued by the possibility of seeing that a little bit more often where Rice doesn't move out of the six? Jorginho is actually the one that plays a little bit further forward.
0: I actually um well I don't want to say I like that more. Um I think it I think it's case by case and it made a ton of sense against Liverpool but yeah, I I actually do find that pretty intriguing. Um I think Jorginho's got the 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 skill and like the head on his shoulders to be that lone six. I just think he's a little, you know, he's a little older now. He's a little slow. Um, So, you know, to kind of put him as like, um. you know, kind of a little more defensive left eight than someone like Havertz or Smith Rowe would be, I think makes a lot of sense because he will help you keep the ball. You know, he is, he is, like I said, solid defensively. Uh, I, I think it's, it's not a bad move. Oh, and most he, he most will
1: good. go he will go vertical a little bit more than I thought as well. Mm-hmm. Like that's one thing that has surprised me since he joined. He is willing to go forward a little more. I mean, the ball for Martinelli to set up the cross for the Havertz goal against Newcastle is a perfect example of that. You know, Martinelli made the run, and as much as I love Declan Rice, Declan Rice can't play that pass. Like the pass that Jorginho that put into Martinelli. Declan Rice can't make that pass. It's just not in his game right now. I, I think it could get there, but as of right now, it's not in his game. It does make me wonder a little bit if Arteta would with... I don't think he's going to drop Havertz, right? But I think if he decides to stick Georgi- uh, to stick Jesus on the bench again for one more game, it wouldn't surprise me if he went for the same lineup as last time just to have uh, Jorginho picking out passes like that from a deeper role.
0: Yeah. I mean, Jorginho's got it in his locker. He's, he's done it um, a few times, made some really nice defense splitting passes. Um, I'm struggling with what game it was, but that, that one where he put it right inside the uh, the center back and the right back for someone to run onto sometime last year, I want to say it was Villa, but I don't think that's right. Um, you know, he's got that in his locker, um, pretty good passing. And I do think he gets an opportunity to use it more when he's not, you know, the sixth. Um so I, I do think it's a nice option. I just um, think how
1: does how does Partey affect this though? Because to me, like Declan Rice is playing every minute of every game. So I don't I don't think Partey coming back has a damn thing to do with Declan Rice. But I do wonder how it affects Jorginho, because if you look at these if you look at the way Jorginho plays, it's kind of like Dollar Store Thomas Partey. Right? Like to me, that's that's how it looks. Like, if you're telling me that we're going to play the way we did against Liverpool and you've got a choice between Jorginho or Partey if they're both fit, then the obvious answer is Thomas Partey, surely. So, with Partey coming back, how does that affect Jorginho's game time?
0: I think it limits it significantly, personally. But let me ask you this I I don't want to answer your question with a question. But you've got um, Odegaard, Party, and uh, Rice, right? Who's your six, eight, ten?
1: Yeah, that's or- not mine. That's not mine. Mine's mine's Rice, Havertz, and Odegaard. If Havertz isn't needed up top, that that's mine. I I wouldn't. I I am sick to death, uh, and and there's other reasons for it other than just footballing. I am sick to death of relying on Thomas Partey and then watching him break down, and then having to reshuffle the entire side. Because of it. I'm just sick of it. Um, I would like rid of Thomas Partey. I would be happy if Thomas Partey never played for Arsenal again. Personally, I don't think it's possible. I don't think we're going to be able to sell him in the summer. I think he's going to be here next year, whether we like it or not. Um, So you have to make plans accordingly. That's what I was asking about the Jorginho thing, because to me... I would. I still think Havertz is, is part of the first choice three if Jesus is up front. It's where, it's those times when Jesus is out, which again is about half the time. Um, it's those times when Havertz pushes up top and then you talk about that third midfielder, right? So it's almost a fourth choice midfielder you're looking at. Now then I think the answer is, is Thomas Partey for me when it comes to that.
0: Again, though, I think what I was trying to get to with my question is, If Rice and Party both play together, who do you have as the six and who do you have as the eight? Oh, okay. All right, I see what you're saying. Um, It's a tough one, that. Because a part of me
1: says you don't ever move Declan Rice, right? Declan Rice is, to me, is that screen. He's the anchor. He's the do it all there. And I don't really want to see him moved from there ever. But I also don't really like Partey being more advanced. I mean, do you remember the first six months when Partey was here and he was trying (laughs) to be Michel Platini and it was driving me nuts. So I I think in that case, I think I would use Partey as the single pivot uh, because Arteta loves a single pivot, right? Like Mm -hmm. whatever else he does, there's, there are two, there are a couple (laughs) of things in Arteta sides that do not change. Four at the back, you know, it can change to three to build up, blah, 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 blah. But it always starts with a four at the back and then it's a single pivot. It will never be a double pivot. Even in them games when Jorginho plays, it's not a double pivot. It's a single pivot every time. So I think with that being said, I think for me it would be Partey as the six and Rice in the eight. And that's just one more reason
0: why I don't want Partey being first choice. <clears throat> that's that's interesting. I I you know I I can't um go against anything you said. I, I kind of feel the opposite to a degree. I would probably keep Rice in the six and put Party in an eight. What I what I would almost like to see more would be uh, more of a, a double pivot almost. I just and don't think three.
1: you're ever going to see that in an R- Arteta yeah, team. He like say, yeah, he doesn't like it. You know, he, he he doesn't like it. One of the reasons that he coveted Jorginho so much. And and this is funny looking at it now. But one of the reasons he coveted Jorginho so much is because he believes that Jorginho is one of the few players in the world, along with Rice and Partey, that can play that single pivot. Now, maybe when he first started chasing Jorginho years ago, that was true. From what I've seen now, that is unequivocally not true. (laughs) Like, I don't think Jorginho can play that in a game where you are going to be under pressure. Now, I think he can do it against Sheffield United. I think he he, he could do it perfectly fine against Newcastle last week. But when you're playing Manchester City, when you're playing um, Liverpool, even if you're playing a Newcastle from last year that were really more hassle and, and in them than what they were this year, I don't yep. think Jorginho can play that role. Um, but that's that's the thing. With Arteta, that is what Arteta
0: wants. That's what his side's built around. Yep yeah so I, I don't know i I think um for me like the 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 six in that single pivot that we play is like almost sacred i I wouldn't mess with it too much so if rice is fit I mean he'd be my six no matter what and as frustrating as you said you know you thought party was in his first six months and and I agree i I was very frustrated too I do think he um would contribute a little more offensively than rice would in the eight And I just think Rice is more reliable in that six anyways. But, you know, again... Well, I guess, Juz,
1: the the counter to my argument about Partey trying to be Michel Platini's first six months is that we were all so shit. Like, I, I, I don't think you can overstate the fact that that was a poor team that Partey came into. That was before everything changed, basically. So I do wonder if it would be different now when Partey looks ahead of him and he's got Erdegaard slightly ahead of him to the right, he's got Martinelli ahead of him to the left, he's got Jesus standing in front of him, and he's got Bukayo Saka coming in off the off the right-hand side. I do wonder if that is a different proposition to when he first got here and he looked up and he had Nicolas Pepe running up his own ass and he had Alex Lacazette smoking a cigar on the halfway line. Do you know what I mean like this is a very different side to that one and, it's, and because of that the roles are all changed and he might feel that he can play that role differently.
0: Yeah that that's actually a really good point and I mean who was the deepest midfielder then it was Yaka right when party yeah. was pushing up yeah you know, I mean, having having no no offense to Xhaka, obviously, I think he's been brilliant his past couple seasons. But having but someone was, like
1: but he wasn't brilliant then, was he? Because that wasn't his no. role. It was a complete. It was a complete. You know, Xhaka was in that role at that point because Partey hadn't really established himself at that point, and we had no one else. Terreira yep. was screaming that he wanted to go to Boca Juniors, and yep. gwenduzi was was you know what doing whatever gwenduzi was doing. So I think he, Xhaka had to be in that role then and, but that's my point is that i think we had a lot of square pegs for round holes at that point whereas i think now this team's a lot more complete so mm-hmm. maybe he would fit into it a little bit differently
0: yeah I, I i think so i really do i think he'd do a little better there i mean i'm sure he'd probably still be a little bit frustrating at times hopefully he doesn't decide to shoot too much but uh i i think it would actually work out and be pretty balanced all things considered um It will be
1: interesting if we do get a couple of goals up just to see what the substitutions are on Monday night and to see where Partey does come in at. Because I'm sure if he can come off the bench, he will come in. Yeah, no, that's right. Does he come in at at right back? Does he come in as uh, the six? Does he come in as one of the eights? We we really don't know because, like you said, this is a new team. This is a different team to last season, even. It's a different team since before Christmas, like we said. Partey's been out since Game 2 of this season. So we haven't seen Partey in this team at all. Yep. And when he did play since Rice has been here, it's been at right back. Right back. Yeah, game and a half, wasn't it? He spent spent at right back. So... That would be that would be interesting. I mean, Ben White's been one of our best players over the last over the last couple of months, so I think he'd be. And I don't think he had a very good first half of the year, Ben White, but he was clearly carrying something, and he's been better since. I would be surprised if Arteta tried to reprise that part out right back thing, but it's Mikel Arteta. I mean, who knows what he's going to try next?
0: Yeah, honestly, I you know I love Ben White too. I think in our you know end of season ratings, I gave Mane and stuff like that. I I think he could use a a a game off he he seems uh like you said he he almost seems like he's been carrying something almost all season um but you know we'll we'll see i think uh with as long as party's been out to throw him in it you know right back the way we use our fullbacks i think he'd be just asking for another um you know, yeah, ham- yeah. hamstring issue, but yeah, his leg would
1: fall off basically. I I don't I, I don't see that I don't see that happening. Um, I'm hoping Tommy Asu makes the bench. I don't expect Tommy Asu to come on, even if he makes the bench, because Arteta doesn't just like to bring people in starting on the bench. He actually loves to leave them sitting on the bench and not do anything for their first game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it, it's just his way, right? It's just what he likes to do. He obviously likes them getting integrated with the squad and stuff before he puts them on the pitch, because we've seen this a few times recently. Um but yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I do think Partey will get on at some point though, because I think I just think he's gonna want that option of Thomas Partey when we get into Porto with the Manchester City game coming up. I mean, how big a boost would it be to have a fully fit Partey and a fully fit Jesus for that? I mean, and let's be fair, the odds on us having a fully fit Partey and a fully fit Jesus for the rest of the season is almost zero.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, throw like you know Zinny in there too, and it yeah. is zero. But I mean, you know, I think with his with his fluid and attacking and the goals we've been scoring, you know, you put you put Zinchenko into this team at um, left back. I feel like, man, we we could be putting up seven, eight. You know. Um,
1: yeah, I I don't think he's going to make it back on Monday. Um, I, t- I didn't rule it out, but he wasn't as positive on him as he was on on like party and stuff.
0: What's he out for? Is it a calf?
1: It's a calf again. Yeah, it's yeah. the same thing that I think he's been dealing with that all season, pretty much. Um, he's yeah. you know he's missed games for it before, so I don't know. We're in where we're in such a good run of form at the minute. I think it makes it easy not to rush people back. Like last year, yeah, yeah. Of course. I have no doubt that last year, at this point, Partey and Jesus would both have been thrown into the team weeks ago. Probably, yeah. And you know, and then they're going to be injured again, and then you know and then you have to you have to deal with that i think now first off i think arteta learns from his mistakes um mm-hmm. and i think he's learned from doing that a little bit and secondly like i said the team is playing so well there's no desperate need to rush these players back like there was before
0: yeah yeah i couldn't agree more and i i think um you know it, it's it's a huge blessing honestly to be able to give them time um so I, I just I just hope it's it's managed well enough that you know again we can kind of get through the season uh, mostly unscathed, but uh, the Porto game is
1: um... Wednesday week, or, or Tuesday week. Sorry, Tuesday yeah. week.
0: Yeah, Tuesday March twelfth. Yeah. Um,
1: so yeah, I would say even by then the a lot Saturday.
0: a lot of these guys that are you know oh, they, should, they
1: should they bar should barring Timber everybody should be back for that, providing we don't pick up anything else in the meantime.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, that, that'll be huge. And, I mean, it'll be a totally different side, you know, that Porto sees and we're home. I, I actually still feel really good about that leg. Despite oh, I mean, being... I'm incredibly confident about that yeah. home game against Porto. I mean, I hope it don't come back to
1: bite me in the arse, but I'm incredibly confident about that game. I, I really am. Um, I just think the way this team's playing, especially at home, uh, there's there's a little bit of revenge to be had, and we do like a bit of revenge. So, yeah. I, I just – I'm incredibly confident about that. Same cool. Okay mate, well it was nice to see your handsome face again. Been a while. Um yeah. And uh like I said I'm in Jamaica all next week. Um we will try and get something out post Sheffield United. I'll see if I can uh I see if I can sober up long enough to to maybe do do an hour. Um we will hopefully see you then after the Sheffield United game. So just thank you very much mate. Um enjoy your
0: weekend. All right, sounds good mate. You too. All right mate. Bye right. bye. Bye bye.